Thanks for coming back to the Sacred Birth Circle. Today's guest is LJ Johnson, somebody who I've connected with on social media, but also on Clubhouse. Her voice in the area of endometriosis is one of the most powerful. She's sharing tips every day. I hope that you will find her and follow her as well. If you like this episode, please remember to share it on social media. Welcome to the Sacred Birth Circle. This is Anna Vick. I am so grateful to have LJ. And of course, I will share just a brief thing about myself, which is I do not have a medical background. Unfortunately, the only reason I'm in this world is because I lost a little boy to stillbirth um, in 2015. And it was a long journey for me learning, you know, what are the causes of stillbirth? How can we prevent this? And then going through that, I kind of got really into the whole world of just like pregnancy and birthing and you know, all information we don't learn until after the fact and like the hard way, like we said. So I think what your message is as well is like, learn from me a little bit, because I know you suffered through all the things that you did. And you know, you realize like, not have to be the way. And so I wanted to bring you on my podcast, my show that um, that way you could share a little bit about your journey. And I'm sure some of your fans here and your followers have heard it. But I think it's always good to have a refresher as far as like kind of what you went through and then how you became this like powerful coach that you are now and how you're helping Absolutely. People. I love this. And you know what? I do tell my story, but I don't think often enough. So this is actually calling me out. I'm going to put it on my calendar once a month. I probably need to come on here and share my story because I just be like pointing and dancing and giving all the gyms. And people are like, who the heck are you? Why do we even need to listen to you? So this is a good reminder of what is going on. I am Dr. Johnson, the holistic hormone expert. I specialize in everything, women's health, specifically when it comes to endometriosis, PCOS, and fibroids. I see some of my womb warriors in the house. And where do I begin, right? Endometriosis, it took me 16 years to get my diagnosis. I will say, once again, I get messages sometimes because people are like, do you hate your mother? No, I don't hate my mother. But at the age of 14, when I started complaining about period pain, when I started having all these issues, I was told I was a strong black woman, a strong woman of color, that I didn't feel pain and to keep on keeping on. And I have to be honest, the keep on keeping on wasn't working. Your girl couldn't walk sometimes. I was passing out during my period. Um, I was having tons and tons of issues. So as we reverse to the beginning of my story, I do hop around. I get excited try to put the pieces together, follow me here. So at the age of 14, I started having debilitating period pain. When I say debilitating, I'm talking about some days I could not walk, some days I could not toggle. So my problems with endometriosis started at the age of 14. Now I have to be honest, there were probably some issues before then, but 14 is when my period kicked in after a couple years. I started my period when I was 12. At the age of 14, I'll just run through some of the symptoms, chronic systemic asthma. And so my asthma would flare up around my cycle. I had a lot of sinus issues, a lot of skin issues, a lot of inflammation issues. It was just ridiculous. Like what was a period for some people for me stopped me in my tracks. There were days I could not walk. I mean, I joke about it. I'm a talker now, honey. I love to run that mouth. But there were days I could not walk. I could not talk. I could not function. I could not think. I was having hot flashes. I was passing out during my cycle. I was passing out during having bowel movements. Like all of these things, like I felt like I was going crazy. And thinking back to it, I'm like, okay, that stuff was totally not okay. But here's yeah. the thing. 
when you're talking to your family, when you're talking to your mom, for me, I was talking to my doctor and they're just telling you, you know, everything's cool. It's just your period. You normalize that. So I want to pause right there because for me, it took me 16 years to get diagnosed. And part of it was the disparities in the community and just, you know, the fact that endometriosis should be its own, you know, program and all that. It shouldn't be under OB-GYN, all of that. But despite that, some of the symptoms were so rare, right? They didn't really connect to a period problem. And so that's really where my heart goes out to a lot of us, or a lot of our endo warriors, because people wanted to sweep it under the rug as a period problem. So I guess this would be the perfect time to define endometriosis, because most people think, oh, it's just a period problem. Like, gosh, well, thank God LJ's strong now. Maybe one day I'll be strong enough for my period. Uh-uh. That is not what it is. So endometriosis is uterine-like tissue found outside of the uterus. It is not uterine lining. It is not endometrium. It's not endometrial tissue. It's not a rogue period. It's not a sign of weakness where you're just not tough enough to make it through the cycle. Nothing like that. It is not a reproductive disorder. It is hormonally imbalanced, right? Hormonally driven. Those lesions are outside of your uterus. The other thing that's huge, right, is that's chronic systemic inflammation throughout your entire body. So it's not just pelvic pain. It's not just period pain. It can be tons of other symptoms. We'll cover those. And then to make it even the more interesting, right, which is definitely the camp that I'm in with the autoimmune-like factors. Because with that chronic inflammation literally kicking your butt 24-7, 25-8 as I like to say, because sometimes it's more than we can bear. That is endometriosis. So I'll wrap that all up again. It is uterine-like tissue found outside of your uterus. It is hormonally driven. These lesions can be anywhere throughout your entire body. They cause chronic systemic inflammation. It is not a period problem. It is not a reproductive issue. And then, like I said, to make it even worse, the autoimmune-like factors. So that is endometriosis. Endo for short. I know it's like subacala, what, what. Yes, endometriosis. Endo. So that has been my journey. Like I said, it took me a really long time, lots of ups and downs. Um, you know, definitely I've turned my pain into my passion. I'm definitely on the other side of it now. My endo is in remission. I help other people do that, but I would love to unpack just kind of some of the things that I went through. And um, I'm sure some of you guys can relate. I'd love to see in the comments since we're not on, since we're, I mean, I'm so used to Clubhouse and all the other apps, right? We're on, I was about to say Clubhouse, we're on Instagram. You guys can use the chat. So definitely I'd love to see in the chat, like what are some of the symptoms that you had um, and that you're dealing with when with managing your endometriosis? So one question I have about this, is it something that normally doesn't get diagnosed until like you start to deal with pregnancy maybe even? Like, does it kind of get pushed off until you're there? You're like I'm having well, trouble with conceiving or anything like that? That's a good question, right? Because a lot of people, when you're having period pain, the first, you know, umbrella, the first band-aid is, oh, period pain, let me go get you some birth control. Or, you know, don't worry about, let's turn your period off until you're ready to have a baby. So here's the thing. And even though, I mean, another people and others, they have endometriosis and it's silent. So endometriosis is not necessarily a period issue. However, it does affect the cycle a lot. And so that's really what gets people's attention. It's like you were saying, you know, the strong black woman and the strong, you know, everything like we're just like, you're not strong enough. You're, you're not right. that pain, you know, especially if you're a young woman. I wonder if they just don't listen to you until you're now in reproductive, you know, Aaron. Right. Like, oh, that's where I was that. going. <laughs> I was like, where was I going with that? The reproductive part. So here's the thing, right? Even though turning off your period for some people, having the birth control can be helpful. Here's the biggest thing. It's not a reproductive issue. However, 
it can cause infertility. However, it can band your organs together. So I think for a lot of people, it's something that maybe they're not diagnosed with right off the bat because it's kind of swept under the period problem rug. I also feel like endometriosis is almost like a diagnosis of exclusion. We tried everything else and oh, by the way, now we'll sweep you under that rug, right? Which is not saying that it's not really endometriosis, but I feel most of the time by the time, and tell me in the comments, I'd love for me to hear from other people. By the time you get your endometriosis diagnosis, you are diagnosed with all other kinds of things. I remember they thought it was cancer. Then it was, they thought it was this. They thought it was that. Then it was IBS. Then it was arthritis. Then it was, so all of those things were coming into play. I will be very honest. Endometriosis is not my only diagnosis. That is the one that drives the inflammation the most. But by the time I got that diagnosis, it had torn down other systems in my body. I had lots of issues with my ENT, um, ear, nose, and throat, chronic sinus infections, my ears, you know, everything was always swollen. I always had a sinus infection. I was that person that always had like the fake, we call it the fake UTI. Like it felt like I had bladder pain. You know, I'd have all the symptoms of the UTI, yet I do the culture and nothing would come back, but they'd feel bad for me because I was in pain all the time. So then they put me on an antibiotic. So a lot of the times when you're getting the diagnosis of endometriosis, it's very challenging because the symptoms don't add up because in their mind, it's a period problem. So when you say something like, gosh, I have like nosebleeds during my period, or gosh, I have this crazy back pain, or, you know, my knees are throbbing, or, you know, I notice my lower body swells up really bad the week before my period during my period, then they're like, as soon as you say period, they're like, oh, yeah, it's just a period problem. We got just what she needs. However, it's being able to just have that functional lens, which is what I do now, to really put all those pieces together. Because typically, when there is an endometriosis diagnosis, you have a lot of other issues going on, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So did it affect you as far as reproduction or was it dealt with prior to that? Like, so when, for me, I, I bought some of the misconceptions. And so I love my children. And I always have to phrase that because people are like, you had kids just get rid of your endo. No, that's one of the misconceptions. Having babies will not cure your endo. Taking birth control will not cure your endo. Hysterectomies will not cure your endo. So all those misconceptions aside, for me personally, I did not have any fertility issues. Now, what I will say is that I was told that after I had my daughter, my oldest, that I'd be good. You know, we're going to get pregnant. We're going to balance those hormones. We're going to stretch everything out. It's going to be all loosened up. I'm like, cool. Yeah, not so much. Had my first baby. Um, pregnancy was fine. No endo pain. As soon as the period came back, the pain kicked in. I mean, plus my hormones were all over, not to mention I had all the other things going on with the asthma, the allergies, the IBS, um, a mold allergy, severe fungal allergies. A lot of stuff was going on with my body. By then my immune system was really torn down. So I didn't have any fertility issues. Then I got pregnant with my second child and with my son, I actually was having endometriosis flares while pregnant, which kicked the whole misconception to the curb, had the baby, balance of hormones I'm like I'm in the process of cooking the baby like what is going on I was in severe pain not to oh. mention all of the remedies that you can use when you're not pregnant you can't a lot of those you know aren't safe during pregnancy and I didn't want to risk it I mean I remember having extreme anxiety and I have to be very honest I don't even know if I've ever talked about this but it makes me think of that I had to take an anxiety medication because the anxiety was getting out of control and I was so afraid of the side effects for my son 
get and and my mental health I needed that support but it was very challenging not being able to take my go-to pain meds not being able to take you know the narcotics and things that I would usually do because I was no longer able to do that while I was pregnant and so for many people that don't have period pain because some people I always have to mention that they have silent endo silent Mm -hmm. endo they're like period pain murder scene periods so they're like honey I have no idea what you're talking about they have no idea endometriosis is there. Then they're, you know, trying on their fertility journey. They're having a lot of issues. They go in and the doctor's like, there's endometriosis all over, you know, it's fused your organs, et cetera. And they're very much blindsided. So it can be very frustrating to have silent endo and then be blindsided with the fertility issue or something else going on. Um, on the other hand, you know, some of us have been in debilitating pain and just chasing and running from doctor to doctor, hoping that someone will listen and connect the dots. So for those that have it throughout, like trying to conceive, what is the options for that? Do you know, like, should they go in to get the surgery and all that prior to yeah. trying to conceive? I mean, I know you right. have natural ways as well, but I wonder if it's like you have to deal with so, With the fertility, and it, it's very challenging because like, I'm going to just lean in on the camera on this one. I'm all for natural, but when it comes to fertility, my journey personally if I had to go back and I was having a fertility challenge, excision surgery, right out the gates. And sometimes, yeah. even when you're wanting to be holistic and all natural, baby, sometimes you got to do what you got to do to help you on the healing journey. So for many of my patients, when they're having the fertility issue and it seems like everything's not working, working, especially when you have organs that are fused together, you know, it may be sitting on your ovaries, it's pulling on your bladder, it's pulling on your bowel, it's doing all of these other things, especially with the endometriosis. And then if you maybe tack on adenomyosis, which is inside of the uterus, then yes, at that point, I feel the excision surgery is the best choice. Now, for some people, that's not an option. Maybe their insurance doesn't cover it. Maybe they live somewhere where that's not an option. But when the fertility is brought in, if that's a piece, I always recommend the excision surgery. I mean, and I know it's challenging. There's only, you know, there's all of us that have endo, right? This big pie over here. And then there's this little quadrant of excision surgeons. But I've seen some really, really great results. I've seen some great things posted on Dr. Shanti's page. I've seen other surgeons that have talked about, you know, being able to go in and excise the endo and clean everything out also decreases that inflammation so that your body can ovulate, so that you can have a successful pregnancy. So it's not really just the mindset of, oh, I'm going to scrape all the endo out and I'm just going to get pregnant tomorrow. It's also realizing what the endo is doing to your nervous system, pain management, your immune system, and all those other things. So I'm seeing one comment here that it took her 25 years to get her diagnosis and she thought she couldn't have children. She was told because of endo, she had several missed abortions. Mm. So like a missed miscarriage, I guess she had to have help with the miscarriage to continue. So right, right. And there, there's a lot of misconceptions out there that if you have endometriosis, that you're barren, that you're always going to have a fertility <laughs> issue. And that's not entirely true. But like I said, those endo lesions are working havoc on your body, that chronic inflammation, you know, it's really hard for your body to do all the things you want it to do. When you're inflamed, your immune system's under attack. I mean, when you're inflamed then, right, then your gut. So then even your everyday organic foods and supplements, your body is attacking those sometimes if you have leaky gut and other things going on. It can be a real challenge. So that kind of brings up my idea and question really is how do we make sure women can get this diagnosis sooner than later? Like, what would we do? Like coming in and maybe you're even a young woman and you haven't decided to have children yet, but you're feeling these pains. Like, how do you get to the actual person that you need to? 
Right. I think that's a great question. And that I'm going to stop with that or start with that. Stop, start, whatever you want to call it. Do not wait until you're on the fertility journey. If you're having pain, if you're having issues today, you need to talk to your doctor. You need to talk to your provider. And I understand maybe the one you have right now that you've been complaining to them and they don't really understand or they're not willing to give you the information. You have to find a doctor that listens. Another thing we have to do to put ourselves in the driver's seat of our health is documentation. Documenting what's going on with your cycle, how you're feeling, right? Not just going in to an appointment and being like, yeah, my period's really bad. I think I pass out sometimes and not having all the details. Like we also have to kind of empower ourselves, you know, to go in and help the doctor really help us with the diagnosis and then researching it yourself. For me, back in the day, we didn't have all these other resources. It was me and Dr. Google at two or three o'clock in the morning and not because I loved being up at that time. But I was exhausted, I was in pain, I could not sleep, and I had to really do a lot of research. Now, you have resources. You have myself, you have Anna, you have all these other accounts. Not that you can diagnose yourself, I'm not saying to do the DIY healing protocol, but the more you know, the more you can advocate for yourself. I know for me personally, I took in all the information, I printed it off, and I'm like, this is what's happening, I'm passing out. Luckily, I found another woman in baby center that had PCOS, and she was kind of talking about some of her symptoms, and then I was like, okay, and it kind of sent me down the rabbit hole. But you have to have a conversation with your doctor, and it's being very clear on how it's not just a period problem. It's not just, oh, when I'm on my period, I feel bad. It's like, no, you know, be honest with them. Are you bleeding and cramping outside of your cycle? You know, are you passing out? Are you not able to pass bowel movements? You know, when you're on your period, are you constipated for long periods of time? Are you dealing with brain fog? Like all of these little symptoms that we like to sweep under the rug. When you're talking to your doctor, those are the things that you really need. Because I think for me, when I look back, I mean, yes, I had bad skin and acne. So I was going to the dermatologist. Yes, I had pain management. Yes, I had the podiatrist because there was always something wrong with my ankles and my feet. But at the end of the day, it was really systemic inflammation throughout my entire body. It wasn't that I was just an amazing athlete and tearing muscles all the time. It was my body was broken and inflamed because I would rip something, but it would never heal. You know, and while I mean, I remember getting a high ankle sprain, and it took two and a half years to heal. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, high ankle sprains. I remember my doctor saying it would have been better if I would have broke my leg because he could have set it in surgery, you know, put me in a cast and moved on. But with the high ankle sprain and my body always being inflamed, like, it was just some of those things. So I really feel like if you can put all of the information together, advocate for yourself, and do not let them just sweep it under the rug as a period problem. Um, and sometimes even just maybe siloing and keeping those symptoms together, but letting them know how your, you know, what they want to call a period problem is affecting your everyday life every single day. Mm -hmm. And so would the next step be for them to send you to like a specialist that would kind of actually find it? I know you have to actually get into the surgery, right? To really see it or? Right. So the golden standard to be diagnosed with endometriosis is laparoscopic procedure. Now I feel like they are kind of working on some ways that are better. But for me personally, that's what I feel is the golden standard to be diagnosed is laparoscopic procedure. However, what I will say is some people were like, I don't want to be cut. I don't want to go in. I don't care if the incision this big or this big. They're like, I'm out. If you have all the symptoms, 
there's no need for you to continue suffering, right? You need to partner with me. You need to partner with someone and create a plan just because you don't. And I feel this is very important because some people, there's so much fear and trauma and gaslighting. They don't want to go under and get the official diagnosis, but they know they have all the symptoms. So if you don't have the official diagnosis, but you know this is what's going on with your body, then treat it as such and start making those changes. Now, once you get the diagnostic procedure of the laparoscopic procedure, yes, that's great to know. There is no cure. So then you need to create a plan. You know, you need to figure out, you know, is it debilitating? Is it something? Now, what I will say is that endo is going to be cooking under the hood no matter what you do. So you really need to be aware of just because you got a diagnosis 20 years ago and you just ignored it and you think it's not wrecking havoc, it is definitely wrecking havoc on your body. So you really need to figure that out. I mean, excision surgery is the best way to have it removed. Um, the golden standard really to have it removed, I rephrase that. The golden standard, the only true way to have it removed is excision surgery. However, many times, um, you know, one of the misconceptions is having an ablation surgery. But as I said in the beginning, you know, ablation is going to be inside of the uterus and endometriosis is outside of the uterus. So you have to be very clear when you are looking at procedures. And no matter what you do, even if you bring in pharmaceuticals and surgeries and all that, those lifestyle changes are going to be huge as well. Mm -hmm. Just a little, like, I guess, lesson for me, but isn't there a higher rate also for black women of having endometriosis? Is that something that's true? Because I think I've heard that before, like more like it, or is it just a lot of women are coming out talking about it now? Because I it think it's just now. more, I wouldn't say as a black woman, we are pre predisposed, I guess is the right word. But what I will say is I think now there's more knowledge that, mm -hmm. oh, I've been suffering with this pain for years, and now it's okay. I see the hearts, yes. Yeah, so now it's okay to yeah. speak up. Now we're empowering ourselves. There's a lot yeah. of disparities, right? So you have to think about, you know, what used to be swept under the rug. But yeah, I definitely wouldn't want to say, you know, as a Black woman, you're more predisposed, no. because endo no. is not a respecter of person, color, you know, how much money you have in the bank. I just think a different cultures, we're being educated, and it's oh, it's now okay to speak up. Before, when I went to a girls' night and just you know had this open conversation I'm having on IG, not really. Like it'd be like, oh gosh, you know, LJ's period's bothering her again. So it's realizing that it's not a period issue. You know, when people can't go to work and provide for their family, you know, when they're missing out on holidays, when they're missing out on life, when they can't be in relationships, where you know they're debilitated, where they can't hold a job, and you're trying to get disability. I mean, there's a lot that needs to be done I think that's like a whole nother and you know podcast episode talking about legislation and you know the disability and things that need to happen because it is very debilitating but it's very challenging when it's an invisible illness and we still want to sweep it under that period rug and there's not enough support I feel like I mean that's an important part of it because how do you really cater or care to it if you actually have it and you don't have support to stay home and you can't, you know, not work a day because you're feeling so awful, you're gonna lose your job. And mm -hmm. then not have insurance that covers these additional levels of care you might need. So it is really difficult. So why don't we give some free or useful tips that you can offer Yes, we can find you for more because I, I do think having, you know, some tools other than just going straight for surgery, if you can't afford it, can't get it done right now, you need something right. to survive. The biggest thing I would say for me, and I'll just talk about me personally, and it's the same thing I do with my patients, identifying the food triggers. Yes, yes, yes. I'm not saying that if you change your you know, nutrition, it's going to cure your endo. 
because I people go back and forth in my comments. That's not what I'm saying. But there is research that, you know, having an anti-inflammatory diet, removing food triggers can really help with your inflammation. And when you get down to the root of, you know, endometriosis, typically, you know, I didn't just wake up one day and be like, oh, I think there's something wrong with me. It was debilitating pain, right? So when you're dealing with any of the itises, the gastritis, the arthritis, you know, any of those things, the itis is inflammation. So if you can get to the inflammation and really calm that fire, it can be advantageous on every level. Now, with food triggers, um, I used to be, and I'll be, I'll call myself out. I used to be more like, you know, everyone can't eat this, everyone can't eat that. It's different for everyone. There are so many things I know for me. I apologize, I'm twisting around my chair. So many things for me um, that I used to not be able to eat, but once I healed my gut, I was able to reincorporate that. Now, wheat and dairy are still things that don't work for my healing journey. So identifying the food triggers can be simple. It can be difficult. Depends on what your blood type is and if you're working with someone. I think what happens typically is we just eat clean for a few days. We've all seen those reels, right, where you eat clean, you eat a salad, and you're like, where's my six-pack? I've had two salads. I'm waiting on the six-pack. And it's like it doesn't quite work that way. You it's have really to hard to keep up with it. Yes, you have to have some consistent nutrition. You have to have consistency. So identifying those food triggers. Then also a huge thing for me I love to do is testing rather than guessing. Instead of just going out and buying a bunch of supplements or, you know, seeing a teeny bopper, you know, that says, or even me being like, hey, this is a great supplement. And you're running out and buying it testing to see what your nutrient deficiencies are and where those holes are versus just throwing in a bunch of supplements and band-aids because that can be the same thing right if you want to kind of get away from some of the pharmaceuticals which sometimes you need but i think it can be the same thing on the natural side is where you're like oh i'm all natural and then you just have a supplement for every problem versus getting to the root of the problem and this is the perfect time to talk about my podcast because tomorrow i have a podcast episode coming out with dr carrie and we talk about functional testing and things that endo warriors that we just kind of like oh it's my endo oh it's my endo and we sweep under the endo rug and it really starts talking about what some functional testing we can do to put us in the driver's seat because yes endometriosis is there but that just really means that we need, need more advanced testing. We need advanced blueprints versus the cookie cutter, you know, don't eat meat, don't eat glute, don't eat dairy. And that may work, but you need something that's really more specialized, right? So you need to look at your nutrition, lifestyle changes, and your toxicity load. Stress and toxins are huge, especially with endo and, and with fibroids. I will say that as well. When fibroids are in play and a lot of endo warriors have fibroids, your toxin level. And that may be bringing in, I'm trying to look for a plastic water bottle. I don't have any. Your girl had to transition over, right? So I had to get rid of the plastic, you know, some of the makeup, some of the cleaners, all of those things, that toxic load can be a huge thing as well. So looking at stress levels, toxins, those food triggers, and then, you know, what type of testing to really get more specific information. I think for I just would say for the entire endo community, right, we know that there's no cure. And sometimes that's just like a flashing light. And so we don't want to do anything else. And I want to just be very clear that yes, there is no cure, but you can have quality of life. You may not have, you know, the life I have, you know, you can have your own life, it may look different. But it's just being able to really figure out a plan to put you in the driver's seat. And I think sometimes once we get the diagnosis, we let the diagnosis be the driver and we're just back in the back, you know, with the symptoms and just kind of along for the ride. Yeah. And I think it's hard because if you get it from your doctor, you might take whatever medication or whatever they tell you and you kind of leave Absolutely. it at that and you just go with that and it doesn't really help maybe. And then you get kind of discouraged, like I'm not feeling better. 
So I think it's good to go a little bit deeper, like you said, get other testing done. And I think in the long run, it's obviously going to save you money if you don't waste your money on all these different supplements oh and things yeah. that like, oh, I tried it for a little while, didn't do anything, you know? So you're just like buying, buying, buying. That stuff can add up. I mean, I do Absolutely. it myself. Like general health, you know, I hear about something and I'm like, I'm going to take that for a while, you know? And then I right. go and go. like, I don't know what it's doing, you know? If it's doing anything, right? And especially yeah. with endo, you have a lot going on. So I, like you said, you know, instead of just, you know, and I know it's hard because you're getting, I mean, as an endo warrior, anyone with a chronic illness, 24-7, you are getting unsolicited advice. It just is what it is. Everyone's got the cure. Everyone knows the green drink that you need to be drinking. Um, you know, P.S., they've never had the drink. They don't own a juicer, never drink it, probably never would. But they know for sure it's just what you need, right? So we're always going to be up against that. So it's really working with someone to find exactly what works for you, um, especially for a lot of people I know on your account on the fertility journey. I mean, that's just not something to play around with. You do not want to be DIYing or just throwing random supplements at a fertility journey. Yeah, definitely. Um, oh, I just seen a question. How did I heal my gut? Endo roses. That's a good question. How did I heal my gut? Well, the first thing I had to do, and I'm going to call myself out once again, I put myself in the hot seat. I have my best experiment, zero one. I had to cut back on a lot of the processed stuff. And when I say processed foods, I'm not saying that I was out eating Cheetos and Doritos and all that, because honey, I was healthy, right? I was a doctor, I was a trainer, I was doing all the things, but this is what it was. I was doing too many protein shakes, right? Or maybe the protein that I was doing specifically had a bunch of crap in it. Right now, I do just regular collagen protein. Back then, I was doing soy, which does not work for my body, especially for my blood type, not for my body, especially the U.S. soy. When I lived in Japan, it was different. Good old America. I love it. Love being an American, but baby, I can't touch the soy over here. It does not work for me. So I had to really start bringing in whole foods. I had to do some gut testing because also just because of my active lifestyle and with all this systemic inflammation, I had a lot of constipation, which had started to do some fungal overgrowth. So once again, I was sweeping my bloating under the endo rug, you know, sweeping the belching under the endo rug, you know, sweeping the eczema under the endo rug. And what happened is when I started to actually do some testing, I realized that I had leaky gut. I also had to clean up the heavy metals, you know, a lot of toxins and different things like that in my body. Um, another thing to heal my gut, which is something I did totally recently. So a long time ago, a lot of things I did back then, but even recently, I had my breast implants removed this year because once again, I felt like my gut was there. And I'll be very honest and most practitioners they're not going to tell you they're just going to give you the cookie cutter but real talk like for me personally I felt like my gut just there was just something not right and I felt like I'd done everything I you know gotten rid of the leaky gut I got rid of the bacterial overgrowth I had my enzymes but I just felt like there was something and what I will say is for all of us that you know love the Botox and I know that Botox is something that people use for you know excessive sweating you know this that and the other for pain but i'm telling you the botox the fillers all that fun stuff yes honey we be looking good 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 but it may not be working for our immune system it may not be working for your gut health so that was just a side note of something currently i did to heal my gut was take out my silicone bags detox my body still on that journey but i can definitely tell the difference in my gut health um with that but yes Finding those food triggers were huge for me. Um, doing whole foods. Another thing I had to kind of step away with my last one, because I got to talk about how I healed my gut. We should maybe do another. Um, we should do a room on that maybe or even an Instagram live. Yeah, that would be a good one. So what was I going to say? The last thing I had to do, oh, nutrient-dense meals. 
So I had, once again, coming huge from the fitness community, had really leached onto the whole eat six meals a day to rev up your metabolism. And so what happened is I wasn't actually eating enough food to heal my body naturally. My gut was not going to heal on, you know, two protein shakes and a salad with fat-free dressing. Like it just wasn't going to happen. And a lot of you may be doing that right now where you're onto the, I have to eat 1200 calories, or maybe you're being gracious. So you rolled it to 1500. And what I had to do to really heal my gut was stop counting the calories, stop doing a lot of the processed shakes and the vegan this. And just because it said, they know what to put on the labels. I had to stop doing that and really go to true whole foods. Another thing said it was going to be the last thing. I swear this is going to be the last of the last. With the changing of the nutrition, I had to bring in whole fats. I had to bring in healthy fats. And I had really restricted the fats because I was like, you know, I don't eat fat because I don't want to be fat, you know, all of these other misconceptions. And for me, adding in the healthy fats was huge for healing my gut. Hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Huge, huge. Sounds great. And I'm sure everyone learned something with all that you always impart. I'm always like, I should be taking notes right now, but I'll re-listen. <laughs> I need to well, do this. I, will say this yeah. I think it's good for every health, like you just said at the end. I'm like, that's a good topic for all of us. Because I'm sure, you know, we're putting stuff in our body nowadays that we don't even know the outcome. Like I know. And they've got us with the labeling. It says organic, locally sourced. It says all the buzzwords. So we, yeah. we grab it. Thank you so much for sharing with us tonight. And I look forward to more conversations with you. I am getting ready for Absolutely. a big event this weekend. Our Big Push uh, March. If anybody wants to support that, it's the bigpushmarch.org. And we are just raising awareness about stillbirth prevention. So that's on October 15th, which is a Saturday coming up in Washington, D.C. But you can also march around your community and just take a picture and post it for us uh, with our hashtag, which is Big Push 2022. Uh, we're actually pushing empty strollers to kind of signify the babies that are not here. And there's mm. 23,000 a year that are not, are not here because of stillbirth. So uh, we're hoping to have the community involved because like every issue, especially in maternal health, it feels like it, everyone kind of gets siloed in our own discussions and what's wrong with this and that. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we just need to improve overall care for women, especially because unfortunately, I think it's just our care is just always, you know, whatever insurance wants to provide and it's the basic stuff. And a lot of things get slipping through the cracks, you know, and that's not okay. And it's not okay for parents to suffer the way that so many have and for individuals to suffer through their endometriosis journeys alone and all that. So I thank you so much for sharing what you have. And, you know, we're always happy to share back. Um, Absolutely. Thank you so much to LJ for sharing her expertise and her experience. I think that it was so helpful to hear how she has navigated everything that she's been through and I hope that you found it useful. Remember to share this episode on social media so you can help others in your circle grow their knowledge and have a better birth outcome. Remember that all the posts that we share and our episodes are not meant to be medical advice. We are simply trying to help you and inform you as you continue your pregnancy but always remember that you should consult your provider if you have any questions or concerns. They're there to help you and they are available to you 24 seven, even if you have to go into the hospital or ER. Again, follow us on social media to continue up to date with our next episodes and our posts. And feel free to connect with us in the DMs. If you have any questions, we would be happy to be there for you. You are not alone. This is your community and we hope that you will continue to watch 
our future and past episodes to continue to add to your knowledge as we interview birth workers, providers, researchers, and even people who have experienced different births so that when you get to your birth, you'll be a little bit more informed and prepared for whatever comes your way. Goodbye for now.